G'day, and welcome to episode 108 of the Packethy Podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson, and today, Hope Aylen, who is the founder and creative director of Designable Hope, joined me for a good chat on the show, and we covered a lot of ground during the 45-minute show. However, um, some of the highlights included the design process when working with a graphic designer, brand strategy and discovery. We covered a little bit on refreshing your brand and when it might be a good time to consider it. And of course, packaging design, which in my humble opinion is Hope's greatest strength and where her reputation is firmly planted. So a lot to look forward to on this one. But before we kick off into today's conversation with Hope, if you're new to the podcast, thanks for taking the time to listen in. As I said before, my name is Hayden Thompson. And as well as chatting with business owners and operators like Hope on this podcast, I work for a packaging company located in BC called Foodpack, where we help food-based CBG companies and processors with their packaging and food packaging equipment. Now at Food Pack, we specialize in three specific areas. The first one is stock bags, which you could think of as a turnkey solution to getting to market. Uh, the second one would be custom printed bags and films, which is my favorite part of the business and what I knock out of the park every week. And our packaging equipment like Supermac vacuum chamber machines, Plexpack band sealers and repack tray sealers and thermoformers. Now, if you're looking to get into the market for the first time or would like me to assess your existing packaging program, definitely head along to the Food Pack website by scrolling down into the show notes and there you'll be able to dig into what we offer with a little bit more detail. And then if that ticks all of the boxes, you can get in touch with me directly by emailing me at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com and we can definitely go from there. All right, let's get on with the show. Episode 108 with Hope Aylan. Awesome. Should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hope, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. That's a pleasure. I'm so glad to have you on. Uh, to give a little bit of context to everybody out there, um, obviously I work at Food Pack. Hope is a graphic designer and Hope has worked with quite a few of the clients that we've done some work with and I've always had a great appreciation for Hope's work. So yeah, Hope, I'm really glad that I've got you on today to really dig into the design process and you know what makes you unique and, and stand out from everybody else. Yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you so much for having me on here. Like I've been an avid listener for quite a while now and yeah, I've noticed a few of my clients pop up and it's just a really nice thing to hear. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Um, okay. Well, just for everybody out there to get started, what I want you to do is go down into the show notes, scroll on down and click on um, Hope's website and go and have a look at Hope's portfolio of work. And I'm sure that you'd all agree. I'm on your website right now, Hope. It is stunning the work that you've done. The one that oh, stands thanks. out to me is Love the Grub. Um, mm -hmm. Aaliyah from Love the Grub, she was on mm -hmm. the podcast. It was probably, I don't know, six or seven episodes ago. Her design aesthetic is stunning. And, you know, you've done Everland, which is a very well-known brand. And yeah, I'd love to sort of like really dig into it. Um, but before we do get started, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? So I don't know if you can probably tell from my accent. I'm not originally Canadian, just oh, like, like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm originally from the UK and I came over here about I honestly I've lost track now every yeah. time anybody asks me I'm like how long have I been here I think it's been like four or five years now okay yeah um, so like 2015 2016 you came out yeah something like that yep <laughs> honestly like I think due to COVID coming in as well like it's completely thrown off my time scale of knowing yeah. how long anything's been so yeah yeah um but yeah I came over here and uh decided to kind of set up my business so cool. yeah Beautiful. And I mean, like I was looking on your LinkedIn profile and you have obviously been working in the design field for years and years. And mm. uh, yeah, I mean, you started off obviously like at university studying design, I guess, what was it that attracted you to working in the design field? 
honestly, like I just didn't find any other field interesting and art and design always inspired me. So during, during like school, my school years, it would be like, I'd be part of art and design classes. And instead of going out to play during the, like my playtime, um, I would, I'd be in the class painting or doing something to do with art and design. Um, and it wasn't until kind of later on that I realized that graphic design was a thing and I could do other things like within the art and creative field but potentially moving on my drawing skills onto computer and yep. uh, creating things that way and yeah. Um, so yeah really really developed from that awesome um, sorry I- you can probably hear my cat in the background now <laughs> <laughs> you did warn me but no it's all good don't worry about okay. it um no look I uh I don't know if I told you on the phone when we did chat the other day but when I was in, at school, like in my younger days, mm. primary school, all the way through high school, I wanted to be a graphic designer. And uh, I actually, um, I put forward and like worked really, really hard to put a, um, a portfolio of artwork together to get into graphic design at university. And I actually mm-hmm. got into um, a design course at TAFE, which is like college back in Australia. And it was mm-hmm. a really good course. It was essentially like another uh, portfolio building year. And in that year we covered, yeah, graphic design, um, and all different mediums like photography and charcoal and still life and product design. And like, it was the best year I've had, yeah. um, in terms of like studying and like, you know, fully, um, engaging in something. It was experimenting. It was the best. Mm-hmm. And, um, I actually got into product design at uni and I deferred it and I never went back because I went and uh... worked and managed a cafe and sort of that's when my hospitality career took off, mm-hmm. never looked back. But I often wonder what would have happened if I did go and study product design. Well, there's always time. You can always change up. No, no, it's not <laughs> no, happening. No. Sailed now. <laughs> <laughs> that ship sailed a long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, but, I did a very similar thing yeah. to you. It was a year of like doing like three different sectors where it was looking like fashion design, graphic design, cool. art yeah. design. And then yeah. I kind of like really kind of loved the sort of graphic design element mm. of it. So that's mm. why I leaned into that more. What's your strength when it comes to design? Because like there are so many different um, components of the design process, you know, like the concept you know, stage and like, you know, pulling together inspiration from all different sources and, you know, really sort of roughing it out all the way mm. through to like refining and working with the um, client, to, you know, on the brief and ensuring that like you're both on the same page and, and you know, obviously iterating until you all land on something that is approved at the end of the day by your client. Mm-hmm. Where do you sort of excel? Like, what do you love in the whole process? Like, what is your sort of strength? Honestly, I do love literally the whole process because the whole oh. process is once it's finished, that's the whole process and you mm. get this perfect little thing at the end of it, a bit, a bit of packaging that you're like, wow, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I really like the concepting stage of, yeah. of it uh, yeah. because that's the stage where I kind of really have that freedom to kind of come up with, I tend to come up with like two to sort of three, maybe more concepts for the client mm-hmm. so they can kind of see what avenue we can kind of take it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love that stage because it just kind of gives me so much freedom and creativity to kind of just come up with what I think is right and perfect for that um, client. That was what I used to struggle with, sort of like mm. having um... – you know, it was awesome if I had a a design brief that was like very specific and I could like, you know, nail it from there, like Mm -hmm. moving forward. But it was when I had to create a design brief and sort of like pull inspiration from all different sources. It was sort of that level of creativity that was, that I struggled with. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting that that's your strength. That's really cool. So you do you like, you know, when you're just in life in general, are you looking out towards everything in life as inspiration or do you have specific places that you go to? Well, when it comes to like a, a client's project, I tend mm. to really start with the inspiration of the brand mm. strategy. 
Mm -hmm. um, and essentially brand strategy is like the blueprint of how you want the world to kind of see your business. Um, so I have to kind of really use the brand strategy at, to inform what the design is going to look like. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, then I do take sort of outsider influences as well. But like it's really based the design and the feel is always based and going back to what we've discovered in the brand strategy. And mm -hmm. the brand strategy kind of includes like competitor research, um, what your brand voice is, what your kind of brand personas and target audiences and what I like to call is your brand heart which is your like purpose vision uh, mission and values of your brand mm. and if you kind of don't know that it's really hard place to start with knowing where to come up with a design mm. because you're just designing for no one otherwise yeah. yeah yeah so once you have that foundational piece then you can really understand how to design and what to design mm. um, and then you can kind of take outsider influences so that's what I do is I start with that brand strategy first to really get to know brand and establish and build that brand um, and then from then I look at outside influences and that will, will just be like literally I go <laughs> I go into the supermarkets and I get lost for just hours staring at the shelves looking Me at what too. else is out there <laughs> yeah yeah no I get that I get that working in the packaging industry I'm sucked into a grocery store just in the same manner mm -hmm. it's really interesting um if we think about the design process, like a lot of the people that are listening today um, are small and medium-sized business owners and operators. They're entrepreneurs. You know, some of them have got a business idea that they're about to execute on or they're sort of still, you know, putting pen to paper and trying to figure out is exactly what it is that they'd like to do with their lives and with their business that they're um, mulling over. And then mm -hmm. other people may have just got operational and, uh, you know, they've hit the market and they're testing the product and iterating on it until they find something that, you know, is a perfect fit for their audience and then they're going to scale it and grow up from there. Mm -hmm. So when we're thinking about the people that are listening to the show, um, some will have a really good understanding of the brand that they want or the brand that they've got and how to sort of like execute on it. And then other people are probably like, you know, just throwing something together and, you know, still trying to develop the brand as they go. So when you sit down with somebody in those very early years, like where does the conversation start? I know you said that like you obviously like to lock down the brand persona and the target audience and, you know, the aesthetic that would like to be um, built. But mm -hmm. if they have absolutely no idea, do you actually go out and do that research with them or where do you start? Yeah, so if I've had quite a few people come to me and just be like, I don't know anything. I yeah. don't know. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, but I have this product and I want to sell it and I know it's a good product. Yeah. Um, so my first thing would be like having a kickoff with them just to kind of discuss who they are, mm. why they why they created their product to kind of get understanding of why they developed it and what they're hoping for their product to do and what their mission of their product is and the purpose of their product. Yeah. Um, and that will really kind of help me understand them as a brand. Um, but that kind of really helps us kind of like build and understand who they are. And then when, from that, it, obviously, they might not have any sort of idea of their target market. So that's what I kind of delve into by looking at their competitors first mm. and what their competitors target markets are. Yeah. Um, and from establishing that, I can go, OK, well, this is what your competitors are doing. Your product is unique because of X, Y, Z. Let's try and pull out those features and, and enhance those features to supersede your competitors, essentially. Mm. So mm -hmm. you stand out against them and reach your competitors in a way that you're solving a problem for, the, for your competitors. Yeah, beautiful. So, um, you know, when you're digging into the conversation and, you know, discussing exactly what you just mentioned, do you like it when people come to you with a Pinterest board of ideas or would you prefer to sort of like just start from scratch or like what's your preference in that in that respect? 
so I definitely do ask, do you have an idea of what yeah. you're wanting? Um, yeah. And they might, sh- they might share that idea. And after we've done the brand strategy, I might go, okay, the designs that you've sent me are beautiful, mm. but do they speak to your target market? Mm. Let's reassess and look at what we did in the brand strategy. And mm. do we think it actually speaks to the target market? Because it might be speaking to you as an individual, mm. but you might not be your target market. And I think that's where a lot of people fall down is that yeah. they go for stuff that they like and stuff that they want, but they might not actually be, the client might not actually be that person mm. who they're trying to target for this yep. product. Yeah. Um, so I always ask, them for inspiration from what they're hoping for and what they're thinking and then basically go over if I think it's appropriate the sort of stuff that they put together and suggest why and why not essentially and explain it Mm. that's really interesting and so you said that you come up with you know three or four different concepts and then you allow your client to sort of narrow it down from there yeah, so it's it's a bit of a mixture, like we can narrow it down, um, or it might be that they like a, a, some aspects of one concept, mm-hmm. and they like some aspects of another concept, so we might amalgamate it to kind of bring up, bring into the, this new concept. So there's always sort of room for change. Mm-hmm. So when I kind of produce the concepts, it's not like this is the concept, we're done and, and gone. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a collaboration, and we can kind of work together to kind of add these additional features or to change things up or edit colors or change mm-hmm. typefaces if we think it needs to. Yeah. Oh, that must be so much fun. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. No, 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 no. Yeah. And so from start to finish, like I know that it would be really hard to sort of put a time frame on it because everybody's working to different sort of like requirements and, you know, some people want things done quickly and then some people are like, no, I've probably got like three or four months up my sleeve to get this rolled mm-hmm. out. What's sort of like the optimal amount of time that you like to work on a project so that you don't feel as if it's stalling or you don't feel that it's extremely rushed and you've got time to actually like sink your teeth into it? Honestly, that is my worst question anybody asks because <laughs> it's so hard to put a time frame on mm. creative yeah. like work. It's yeah. extremely hard. Also, it also it has so many variables because it mm. depends on how many uh, SKUs there are in the mm. lineup. It might mm-hmm. be that there's just one SKU, so it should be relatively easy. But yeah. also I have to consider future-proofing this product. Mm. So if there's other products that are going to come in the line, how would that look? So I've always got to think 10 paces ahead mm. and think, okay, what else can I bring into this? Um, yeah, so it might be that there's different variable SKUs. And it might be that they haven't got a brand strategy. It might be that they have a brand strategy. So there's so many different things that it's really hard to put a time frame yeah on it um but i like to like at least like advise three months depending on 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 that particular person but sometimes there's some products products and some clients uh products i've done so much quicker than that so it really does depend on the client sometimes clients can be like really on top of it and want to kind of give feedback straight away yeah uh some are like oh i need to take a week to think about it and that's absolutely fine and i do actually suggest to clients like i like to leave at least like a week gap when once i provide concepts because i never want someone to feel rushed into Mm -hmm. a decision Mm -hmm. and i think they really need to kind of like go out and share it with their target market and get sort of some feedback back from it so i do like to allow a lot of time for sitting on on the concepts and kind Mm -hmm. of thinking about it and digesting Mm -hmm. it rather than going having a rash decision to go forward and then later on they're like oh maybe I made a wrong mistake yeah and I I spoke too quickly um so yeah I like to allow that time for for clients to feedback 
No, that's actually the perfect answer because like, you know, getting out there and speaking to the target audience, especially if you've got an established, um, you know, customer base as well and finding out exactly what they like, whether it's the product and you may be like coming out with like a new product that you want to, you know, sample with clients or a, a future brand iteration. I think it's just so critical to get feedback, to get buy-in as mm-hmm. well so that you can move forward confidently. Definitely, yeah. especially if it's a, a product refresh instead of like, mm. a, like a brand refresh. Mm. Uh, so they've already established themselves in the world, mm-hmm. but they kind of now wanting to come out with a new look. Mm. I think it's really important to make sure that that look is comfortable with your with your target market because sometimes mm. that can be a downfall to some uh, brands where they mm. release a new version and the cl- and the customer base is like what have you done You've, yeah this is, I don't this recognize is this anymore yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and it honestly there's been like um, I don't know if you've ever heard there's a, a brand called Tropicana it's an orange uh, juice company oh yeah yeah it's in yeah. The yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, they released a new look I think last year or the year before and within a month they retracted the design and went back really? to the old design because wow. it made the basically the the sales plummeted because of it because people just didn't recognize it anymore so they it was a very very on the shelf yeah well they 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 tore away all the sort of distinct assets of yeah. the packaging but yeah. made it what it was yeah uh, so yeah they just removed it from shelf and basically it was a massive project that kind of just went wow. went wrong because they didn't speak to their target audience and yeah. see what they what they felt about it and get some customer feedback so many lessons in that you know um i can imagine that exactly what we're talking about is probably one of the hardest things to execute on like a brand refresh mm-hmm. um i guess you know like brand like all design and all art it can either age well or it can age poorly mm-hmm. um so, I mean, like it's one thing to design to, and even with color palettes, like, you know, there are popular color palettes and color changes with the seasons and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So like, how do you sort of, like you said, like future proofing or um, thinking about like future skews, mm. how, like, how long do you think, well, how, let me rephrase this question so I get it right. I guess what I'm trying to ask you is like, how frequently do you think that a brand should consider freshening up their brand? so that it can stay relevant with the marketplace and yet not change so drastically within a short period of time? Like, is there a a window there? Well, I think definitely in terms of your brand strategy, you should be looking at that every six months just to kind of, just to check whether it still resonates to everything you're doing because, you know, things can change so quickly in the market. You want to make sure that you're still reaching and targeting the same people and it all makes sense. And basically, if you've kind of looked at that, and and seeing that there's some maybe some things where things could change or things mm. have changed quite mm. a lot, then maybe it's time to kind of like have a look at the packaging and see that and also just general your branding and everything around you, whether it still speaks to to, to your brand strategy and what you're hoping for for mm. your brand. So that's really... what I would say is like you can probably do that analysis first yourself and see yeah. just through looking at your brand strategy and you know, looking at the foundations of that. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like, it's funny, like when you've got an eye for design, like you've obviously design is all around us, whether it's like the monitor that we're like, you know, the computer (laughs) monitors, like they change and develop over time. And one thing I noticed, like it was probably about like six or seven years ago, the, the logos on a car, like the cars out on the road, the new models got really big. I don't know if anybody mm. noticed, but like Volkswagen and Mercedes and BMW, the logos and like the actual like insignia on the vehicles got really, really big. And mm-hmm. now they've shrunk right 
back down to being small again on the newer models. And like, yeah. there are just little things that like just change like slowly, but everyone comes on board and then like, I don't know what shifts, like what is it it's, exactly it's, that's shifting? It's it's like the iPhone, the iPhone suddenly it's really big or sometimes then they go back to being smaller iPhone yeah. or then they go, they go back to being 10 times bigger iPhone yeah. than what it was before. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure about the sizing of things and why yeah. that kind of transitions, but maybe they're just following like the iPhone trend. <laughs> maybe, yeah, there's a trend out there. Yeah, I'm wondering who starts that trend. It's funny, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, packaging um, and packaging design in particular seems to be something that you specialize quite well in. And like I said, like I encourage everybody to jump onto your website because you've just got a beautiful assortment of all different types of packages out there in the food industry, which is just perfect mm-hmm. for this podcast. Now, when you are looking at packaging in particular and you're like, that is good design, whether it's your own or somebody else's, like what is it specifically that speaks to you and, and what do you like to look out for? Uh, so what I do is when I kind of look at packaging is it whether it has distinct assets mm. um, and that could be like distinct assets in terms of like it might be that it's a visual cue um, mm-hmm. or whether it's an auditory cue or like a, um, a yeah an audio like an audio cue so for example like M- McDonald's for example the distinct asset within that is the golden arches mm-hmm. um, or sorry to use McDonald's as a classic example but Got it's it, just easy one to yeah, use. Yeah everyone knows it um, yeah. Yep. And then they have like, they're saying, I'm loving it. So they have like distinct assets that kind of like, like you can hark back to. Mm-hmm. So when I look at packaging, I look at like whether they have distinct assets. Um, and a lot of packaging these days actually do miss out that whole distinct asset because they're kind of going for that minimal look. And that minimal mm. look is great. Mm. But at the end of the day, like everyone's starting to do that minimal look where it's kind of pairing back so much that they all kind of look the same because they're all yeah. using past- pastels and they're all kind of just like have being super, super clean. Mm. Um, and it's a beautiful look. Don't get me wrong. It's very Instagrammable and I love mm. it. Um, but at the same time, they're not going to get that brand memorability mm-hmm. with their customers. So as mm-hmm. a customer going by, they have like a few seconds on the shelf to kind of look at your package Mm. and to and to remember it um so you need to be able to have like distinct assets that kind of run through that packaging yeah understood you know i'm looking at um everland right now and like that Mm. rebrand that you did with everland is beautiful and i guess that's what you mean by sort of like the minimal look you know in that it's just so basic and easy to identify and yet you know exactly what's in the product and it's still Mm -hmm. got that sort of fun everland feel to it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool another one that i really like is hoochie booch Oh, thank you. Yeah. I love yeah, that that's one. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What inspired the Hoochie Booch um, brand identity? So we kind of like, so with the brand uh, logo, the brand logo was actually done by a previous designer. So I took cool. that on and basically revamped what they originally looked like. They were just in like clear jars uh, mm. previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were breaking out into, decided to break out into cans because, mm. you know, the jars were just so hard to source yeah. um, around that and time. And, yeah. and I think it still is the case. Uh, yeah. They're hard to come by. Uh, so they were like, oh, best ideas to kind of launch into cans. And at that time, I thought, oh, let's kind of go with a bit of a refresh mm-hmm. while we're at it. Um, so I did like the brand strategy, as I've kind of like mentioned before, and kind of went through all that. And what we kind of really wanted to kind of put across was that feeling that you get when you're drinking kombucha and all those different scenarios that you're kind of like enjoying a sip of kombucha. So on, on all the cans, you have like different scenes and different settings. Mm. Um, but we worked through a f- sort of a few various sort of illustration styles till we came up to, with that one. Mm. Um, and the distinct asset on that one is that sun ray that kind yeah. of comes across all the packaging. So it's yeah. um, sort of hidden behind the logo and you have a sun on every bit of packaging. And then you've got the scene sort of depicting how you should feel when you're drinking that uh, kombucha, essentially. That's cool. But, 
They're a yeah. beautiful brand. I absolutely Aren't love they? them. Yeah, yeah, that pastel is stunning. It's mm. really cool. I also like Cooler as well. Oh yeah, Cooler's a recent one, and they're doing yeah. some gr- great things in the in the industry. They're amazing. Yeah. 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 Do you do all of the photography as well? No, so I actually outsourced that to sort of different photographers. This one was um, outsourced by so Cooler had a contact that they wanted to kind of cool. use for, for that photography. But the photographer for that is absolutely amazing. She always does a stunning job. She's also done Love the Grub stuff as well. I was well, going to so. say, I was, I, I was about to say, I wonder if she did Love the Grub because, yeah, it got exactly the same feel to it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. That in itself is a skill set, like product photo shoots like that yeah isn't it 100% yeah just to make them really pop like yeah I'm so grateful for the photographers who take pictures of like my packaging because I'm like <laughs> you do an amazing job you make it yeah, look better yeah. than than I possibly could so yeah, yeah that's cool it's a it's a real art yeah yeah isn't it so personally like what influences you are you into music like do you look at other people's artwork like do you go out and go to art galleries like where are you looking for inspiration personally yeah, so um, the, the first one, as I said, is just literally going to the supermarket. Yeah, <laughs> just the just grocery lost, store. Yeah, lost yeah. in there for days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also going to sort of galleries and things. I went to, I think it was like a year and a half ago, which I thought was a really good one. It was Feast, uh, Feast for Your Eyes or something, I think okay. it was called. It was a food photography um, they, oh, cool. uh, thing, and they had lots of design and graphic design as well around the food world. Yeah. Um, that was a really exciting um, gallery uh, that I kind of went to to um a show uh, a show should I say mm-hmm. um and yeah also just like looking at sort of all my books that I have I have like a whole ream of books oh, um, cool. you can yep. all see them all behind me <laughs> I can see a few stacks there yeah yeah um and I use those a lot I'm just kind of like keeping up with what's going on in the world just through through those books and through things like Pinterest as you as you yeah. previously mentioned as well yeah how many Pinterest boards do you have going Oh, so many. <laughs> so many. Yeah, it's so funny, many. isn't it? You can spend yeah. hours on Pinterest just pinning things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never I never used to use it. And then suddenly I just came across and I was like, why have I not used this my whole life in yeah. my design career? Yeah. It was just, it's an insanely good tool. Yeah, just to catalog everything. Yeah. That's cool. Are you the kind of person that loves to sort of sketch things out by hand to get started with? Or do you go straight to the desktop? Yeah, 100%. I have to kind of scribble it out all mm. my ideas first so I have like a massive do I have it even no don't have it next to me I have a, ma- a massive notepad that I kind of just sketch all the ideas before I even hit to hit the computer I think it's really important to kind of get all those ideas out first because out. I think yeah. I think when you jump onto a com- computer you can be quite restricted mm. with what you feel that you can do mm-hmm. whereas like if you can just draw it out then it's just then it just feels like it flows so much better and your ideas yeah. come out so much nicer where when you're restricted to a computer, you're like, oh, can I do this or can I do that? Or like it just takes a little bit longer to kind of mm. generate those ideas. So, yeah, definitely pen to paper first. That's cool. What about your home like office environment? Like you're obviously working from home, which is awesome considering mm. the industry. But are you the kind of person that's always got like music playing in the background or do you like silence or what's your style of like work? Uh, well, I listen to your podcast, obviously. Of course, you do. <laughs> so my voice, <laughs> yes. awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, so your I listen to your podcast. Uh, obviously, music as yeah, I listen to yeah. music as well. I yeah, listen cool. to a, a variation of different mu- uh, music. Yeah, uh, Disney music seems to really get the energy going. Really, the thematic sort <laughs> yeah. of theme, cool. Yeah, yeah. Really, that's sort of di- what you turn to when you're getting in that sort of like creative mindset. 
yeah definitely really um, okay and depends also what I'm working depends on the project I'm working on mm. sometimes I just put like scrubs on in the background or the office yeah. in the background just Bit of white one noise. of those yeah. one of those shows that I've watched timeless like yeah. over and over again that's just really yeah. good to kind of just like listen to and have a nice time like have a little laugh but also mm. like what, kind of come up with the creative ideas so it's not too distracting yeah yeah and do you find that you do your best work at certain times of the day like you a night owl and like to you know get stuck into it and work through the night is like some people's creative like i'm thinking of like you know specific like writers some people you know find that burning the midnight oil and you know working at two or three in the morning that's when their best ideas come to them what's your sort of preference i used to be like that and then i've been trying to like pair back and just be very strict with my like work times at the mm. moment <laughs> mm-hmm. just because I do love what I do so much and it can yeah. literally le- leak into every hour of every day if yeah, I, I if imagine. I let it if yeah. I let it so it's yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be better at maintaining my own you know social space and my mm. own sort of workspace uh so I've been trying to uh, be stricter and like nine till six uh uh sort of day however yeah. a lot of my clients will probably say oh but you've been emailing me at like seven or eight yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens it happens but yeah, uh, no, yeah I, 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 I used to be someone that used to work quite late all the time but um yeah now I've been trying to like just be kinder to myself for my mental yeah. health you know probably a carryover from university to be honest oh yeah yeah totally yeah. I just used to work constantly and just no yeah. rest whatsoever yeah. so yeah yeah that's interesting um you know, so like exercise is extremely important and a lot of people like have great ideas or flesh thoughts through and, you know, from start to finish when they're out running or they're, mm-hmm. you know, lifting some weights. Do you incorporate any exercise to sort of help you through that process as well? Yeah. So I'm very into hot yoga at the oh, moment. Oh, cool. Bikram? Love, yes. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, so I try to do that in the mornings, like yeah. early, early <laughs> in the mornings, get it over and done with and then yeah, I can cool. start, start my day. Uh, I'm not I'm not somebody that I find it really difficult once I'm in the house and like settled to like do something in the evening like an exercise or do it during the day so I try and get it up and early push myself out and then it just it's a really good start to the day and I feel really good from it and energized yeah Yeah, that's cool I've never tried Bikram yoga but I am into the sauna at the moment I've Mm. been going to the community center and having a sauna and then jumping into the cold plunge and then into the um, hot tub after that amazing it's the best hour like I look forward to it it's so much fun yeah I can't I can't handle the cold i don't know how you do no. that <laughs> you know what i don't really like it either but i you just got to make a decision that that's what you're going to do and not yeah. give yourself an out but i'm only in it for like four or five minutes and then i'm straight mm. into the hot tub which is the reward so yes, yeah. yeah and coming out of a sauna as well it's actually really nice getting straight into that cold plunge it's pretty cool yeah. but yeah like the benefit not only i think it's like the mental sort of like the reset that you get from like the shock of it all, like both mm-hmm. of the heat and the cold is really beneficial. But yeah, I find it interesting. Like when I'm in the sauna, I'm like just thinking like there's nothing yeah. else to do in a sauna for like 35 minutes, except just to think. <laughs> yeah. So and that's, it, that's, that's the yeah. beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that you find the same thing with, um, with your yoga in the heat. Yeah, definitely. You just kind of like focusing on your body and your form at that moment. It's like, yeah. I don't have time to think about work. It's my, it's my shut off time, which I yeah. love. That's yeah. cool. I love yeah. speaking to people like you, like really creative people. You like obviously like you've invested time and energy to pick up and cultivate these skill sets. And now this is your livelihood. Mm. Um when you used to, you know, design and draw at university, knowing that you wanted to be a graphic designer, obviously you were doing it because you were so passionate and you had so much freedom. And now you're doing it to earn a living. Do you mm. find that stressful? Like, does that 
does it take away some of the fun or the passion or is it like, no, nah, I love this and I can earn a living from what I'm passionate about? I'm not going to lie. Yes. Get very stressed at different points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. I am. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else mm. with my time. That's cool. I, I get so much from being able to provide design for like these small businesses mm. and being able to help them kind of create their dreams <laughs> yeah. and bring their bring their product to life in ways they couldn't even like imagine that it mm. could be mm-hmm. and that kind of gives me so much fulfillment and satisfaction yeah. that I like I, I just absolutely love what I do and I just couldn't imagine doing anything else but that that's awesome yeah, yeah. you're making a living from something that you love doing which is yeah. everybody's goal at the end of the day isn't it yeah I'm very fortunate like and I, I it's kind of funny because it was like only a realization probably about a year ago that I realized that not everyone does love what they do and I know that's a silly thing but I've just been like in this world of just always enjoying what I do for a living um, and never really considered that like not everybody does like so I'm very fortunate and I really yeah I'm very grateful for all my clients and what I'm able to do yeah back home in Australia I was managing a cafe and one of the employees that I had working for me he was working at the cafe part-time but he was a full-time artist Mm. and he does the most beautiful artwork like just exquisite artwork and now he's doing these huge murals like like three or four story building size murals and he's getting paid like a like commission to do this work Mm. and like yeah he's just absolutely loving life like he can just work on his in his own time and he gets paid to do something that he's extremely good at yeah but it's a skill set that he has honed over his life like it's not Mm -hmm. something that you can just like buy you can't buy this skill set it's extremely like yeah, it's a gift, yeah. you know. Oh yeah, and to get yeah. paid for that gift, holy shit! Brilliant, it's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. So, where are you taking this? Like, obviously, like you've got your design business, and you know you're picking up work right now. Is this something that like you can scale as an agency, or are you happy just working on your own? So right now, I'm really happy just kind of working as I am, um, yeah. and I, I've never really gone into this business to be greedy. Yeah. Um, so I, I could scale it and I could bring more people in, mm. but then I think then I would lose what, what is my business? And mm. that is designful hope. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hope. Um, I, I, yeah. I want to be part of all the projects that are mm. kind of happening. And I think, um, with scaling, you kind of have to step back and lose a bit of control yeah. with that. Yeah. And not saying that I'm a control freak, but maybe I am. But <laughs> but it's your artwork, like it's your design, yeah. it's your blood and sweat that you're putting into, you know, this design for people that you're working for. So I know I understand that yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I think people are coming to me for the work that I've done, not necessarily mm. what a what a freelancer that I'm mm. bringing in, or yeah. you know, if I was to hire somebody. Um. So right now, I'm really happy with how I am. Like that's great. But if maybe the future, it could be that I decide to scale it. If I do want to kind of take a little bit of a step back from it um but right now I just yeah I want to be everything I want to be the person that does it all (laughs) yeah that's cool it's your reputation that you know you've Mm. got and that you've built that's cool so if we're thinking about the conversation that we've had today and sort of the process that we've outlined right from like the very first conversation that you have with people to sort of like help them identify what it is that they're trying to achieve and the brand that they're trying to build all the way through to like a finished package piece, which is obviously when things are over on my desk and I'm going <laughs> through the proofing process and then we go to print. What have we missed in that part of the the conversation that's sort of critical? Um, Probably like, hmm. That's a very good question. 
I guess like yeah it's as I've already kind of like gone over it's the brand strategy side of mm. things um I think what else there could be to that one obviously there's a lot to it it's not as simple as what I just made it out to be and there's a lot of work that needs to be done from point a to point b but like if there was like a specific part of the process that you think is really critical um in terms of like information that people are bringing you I'm thinking like the content um the way that you know you are laying out like a a pouch or like some design onto a bag like what are some pretty cool pretty critical components that people need to be aware of uh, well, I guess it's the kind of Canadian regulations are yeah. quite strict and there's like, you know, quite like certain rules that you kind of need to abide mm. by for Canadian packaging. And that's something that I had to learn quite quickly when I first sort of came over here and started working um, yeah. on packaging. Yeah. Um, it's kind of getting engrossed to know what those rules and regulations are. Or the um, NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. On the NFTs and just like the French uh, side of things as well. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's a that's a huge bane on my design life. Oh, I can only that. imagine twice as much information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the less, translation. Less do you do space. the translation or do you get someone else to do it? So I work with somebody called uh, Chantelle and she's absolutely amazing. She cool. always kind of does all my translations. Yeah. Sometimes clients bring have their own translators as well. So I yeah. kind of yeah. give that as an option, like, oh, I have a translator if we want yeah. to use somebody. Um, yeah, I'm not fluent in French, unfortunately. So mm. Google Google Translate is my uh, French placeholder text normally, yeah. and it's Got, always yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't get the, the accent really, does it? No, yeah. no, yeah. no. That's funny. Especially because it's more like uh, French-Canadian, but yeah. Google does like, just French. French, French. Yeah, <laughs> yeah interesting. Yeah. Um, and then how do you package up a program for people like when they come to you and they're like, Hope, I'd love to sort of like work with you here, but like do you have a packaged price or are you like an hourly rate or how do you work with clients in that respect? So I really find that a package rate is not really convenient for a lot of people and uh, the reason being is that everybody's status is at different points yep. like you you mentioned earlier they they might be already a well-established brand mm. they just need, might need a refresh mm-hmm. or they might be a brand that really knows their brand strategy so they might not need those elements and yep. things like that yep. um so it really does depend on my first kickoff session with them and i mm. always suggest to have like a zoom meeting or a meeting in person to kind of mm-hmm. just get to know that person so then the quote that i put forward and the proposal that i put forward is personal to that person um because everybody's brand has its own personal journey yeah. and putting yeah. a price price tag on and a package on mm-hmm. on somebody so different from each other yeah. different clients they, yeah. i just think it's not really something that's that's right i like to get to know the brand properly and so that's a personal touch yeah case by case scenario yeah yeah definitely yeah that's an interesting approach but it totally makes sense yeah mm-hmm. that's cool I know, I know a lot of designers do kind of give that sort of uh, package option uh, yeah. so it gives like a rough guideline but yeah. i do find like until like that might put somebody off potentially yeah. if they know that pricing because but that pricing might not be suited to them mm. so that's why i'm like okay let's talk about it and i can make sure that my pricing is actually suited to you and it's not just a generic package for mm-hmm. anybody I've, I've yeah. seen out in there, like when I've been like reading posts on LinkedIn, you know, a lot of solo entrepreneurs like yourself, especially like somebody in the creative space often undersells themselves in terms of like their hourly rate, you know, because they don't want to come across as being greedy or they don't necessarily mm. see their own self-worth. How did you find that process? Like, did you consult with people and say, Hey, listen, like, what are you charging an hour or how are you charging these packages? So, so that you could get a feel for, you know, priced, you know, tolerances out in the marketplace and what people were willing to pay for your services. It's extremely hard to do that. Mm. Really is hard, especially um, saying like charging by hour Yeah, because charging by hour is almost um, taking away 
from the skills that you have like mm. enhanced and mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. so for example i could do something uh, in two hours a junior yeah. designer might take potentially like five or six hours yeah, yeah. so me charging an hourly rate actually affects yeah my worth yes essentially yeah so understood. i'm actually i'm actually de like de-worthing myself by say by charging by hour yeah yeah so that, yeah no yeah. i get that logic i saw something on instagram is like one of those like it wasn't a meme but it was kind of like one of those instagram stories and i feel like it was a um a concreter he was doing somebody's driveway and he did it like in half the amount of time that other people are doing it and they're like but you're the same price and he's mm-hmm. like yeah because the skill set that i've got to get it done in half the amount of time is like what i'm charging you for because it's taken me 15 years to build up this yeah. skill set rather than like charging you for an hourly rate which is going to take twice the amount of time because they're not as good as me yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no i totally get it that makes total sense and, and also then- like you're hoping with the skill set that you brought, you're going to be adding like an expert level. So there'll be less potential changes and less sort of things that you need to keep going back for. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, hiring somebody at like a, a level like that, that yeah. isn't necessarily charging like a set hourly rate, yeah. you're going to get your worth from it in the end. Yeah, no, totally. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, um, you know, obviously there are people out there that, you know, they're going out into business on their own or they're, you know, obviously building people, you know, building a a business and they've got employees and they obviously have to, you know, be a leader and have management skill sets and all that kind of stuff. And the major skill set that I'm sure that you would have to, you know, um, really leverage would be communication. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. your communication must be one of your strengths to obviously work with your clients and, you know, communicate what the intent is, but then obviously communicating through your design as well. Would you suggest that that's something that you were born with, or is that something that you've had to, you know, hone over time as well? Um, I think I've like, so I've always been quite an extrovert, I would say. Yeah. I, I, in the recent years, I've gone to be more of an introvert, but I've definitely been <laughs> a I've little bit more it, conservative. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I've always kind of known how to work with people and communicate with people. Yeah. I've, and I think also just from my like years experience of working in like marketing agencies, yeah. um, as well as like branding agencies, yeah. I've really known how to kind of work with different clients and also just a mm-hmm. various different mix of people or my colleagues mm-hmm. that I've had to work with before. Yeah. Uh, so I've always been in an environment where like I've ha- had to be. A part of a team and mm-hmm. knowing how to communicate effectively that way so yeah I think it's something that I've kind of built up as, I, as I've grown uh, but I think it does help having that sort of extrovert introverted kind of uh, nature about me <laughs> for sure I hope if we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever this is in life or in work mm-hmm. uh, what would you have achieved um, I would be carrying on doing exactly what I'm doing in work honestly cool. like I just I'm extremely happy doing what I'm doing um in terms of like life I would love to have bought a house yeah um and live live there with my cat and my partner <laughs> um and yeah just kind of like loving loving everything I do with my work so yeah keep going at like bringing all the sort of clients that I still have but also bringing in new clients yeah. that are in like the vegan and vegetarian world uh, they're the sort of clients that I kind of work with predominantly yeah and I love those sort of clients um, and yeah. carrying on working with um small businesses I, I I'm not a massive fan of working with the with the bigger businesses because I like to work with those dedicated CEOs who really are passionate about their brand because mm. that really like reflects off what I then end up can achieve for them yeah so yeah just carrying on working with the small brands that I have been and building building on that on my roster 
Oh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. You're on the path and that must be a really beautiful feeling. And yeah, congratulations on all of your success. And uh, you. yeah, like I said, like whenever work comes in that you've done into our office and we're all, cause like as a sales team, like we have a corral, like we've all basically sitting on a U-shaped desk and we're always <laughs> looking at artwork that comes in. And like I said, there's been some projects that you've put in there and the consensus is that your design elements and the work that you put out there is always awesome and on point. So yeah, oh, congratulations on your success. It's really cool. Thank you so much. And congratulations on your podcast because I, ah, I love it. You. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that too. Hey, listen, if anybody wanted to reach out and learn a little bit more about how you could potentially help them with their business and, and design elements, what's the best way to go about it? Uh, yeah. So I would say go onto my website or go onto my Instagram. I'm quite like I can, you have, there's a form you can fill out to kind of chat to me and my email address is on there. Um, and then on my Instagram, again, I can, if you shoot me a message in my dms or get back to you <laughs> good stuff well listen i really do encourage everybody out there if you need any design work to be done definitely get in touch with hope and i'm sure that you can have a really good conversation on you know what the future holds in that space and hope thank you so much for your time today i really enjoyed the conversation yeah me too thank you so much take care bye thank you bye all right so thanks again for joining us for episode 108 with hope uh that was a great conversation, wasn't it? I, uh, I hope you all got a little bit out of that one. And definitely, like I suggested before, head on to Hope's website and have a look at her portfolio of artwork because it's all beautiful. Now, episode 109 next week coming up with Crystal Westergaard from Canadian Candy Nostalgia. That was a really great conversation too. A lot to be learned um, in that one. And okay, what else can I tell you? Um, now, early this week, I'll be putting up all of the posts on LinkedIn and Instagram. So you'll definitely be able to continue the conversation there. And if you've got any questions, uh, chime in. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot. I'll see you all next week. Cheers.